At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. Making the case go cold for over 50 years. Using the facts from 1967, we reopen the case for the lost boys of Hannibal. Against the wind. We were running against the wind. We were young and strong. We were running against the wind. myself alone Surrounded by strangers I thought were my friends I found myself further and further from my home and I guess I lost my way There were so many roads Hello, welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Cambaletta, and with me as always, Chris Ketters. Chris, you're back. You're back. <laughs> <laughs> what a it's it's a it's a crazy time, Chris, and I and everything that's happened with the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast over the last two weeks has been completely crazy. We're over eight hundred and fifty followers on Podbean from thirty three. So overnight we've become kind of a sensation on we were featured on Podbean, so I think that really helped kick up um the uh the follow the fellowship there if you will the fellowship of the uh the three boys uh so excited to hear that excited to see a lot of new followers uh we continue to get reviews continue to get good reviews too yeah we've had some interesting ones but mostly we're staying at 5.0 uh yeah according to uh itunes which i just changed screens on that uh we are still five star rated we have 85 reviews right now and frankie we have a couple cool ones i'm going to point out real quick uh, the first one uh, coming from L7 Honey Devil. Just, it's pretty simple. It's five stars. It says, more episodes, please. <laughs> That's all it says. Uh, another one, uh, which we're working on for you. Another one is uh, from Wonder2706. Absolutely love these guys. I've seen Frankie several times and could and do listen to him all day. Keep it up. So there's a good one for you, Frankie. And, Thank you, sir. Uh, another one from Ashfish says, I've grown up in Hannibal pretty much my whole life and can remember hearing about the boys. My step-grandmother was relayed, uh, re- related excuse me, to the brothers that had gone missing. And even though I was very, very, very young, I'll never forget the pain that her absurd family went through. And bringing this story back into the open the way you guys have done is just amazing. The two-week wait between episodes is killing me, though. Regardless, five stars. Keep it up. Keep up the awesome work. So, cool reviews. Thank you. And remember, uh, you can head to The Lost Boys of Hannibal on iTunes and uh, rate us, because it seems like that's the place where if you want to want to help us get to more people, that's the place to go because uh, it seems like when you get a lot of good, good uh, reviews and a lot of good feedback, that's when uh, you start going up in those uh, those search engines for iTunes. So keep that in mind. But yeah, thanks for the reviews. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I am. I am excited to hear all that stuff. I, I try to check up on that daily. You know, I have the other podcast. So then I have another one starting up soon in September. So it's kind of crazy. Um, everything that's going on. I, I feel that with the Communicator Award, it kind of really helped us blossom you know not only what we're doing for the lost boys of hannibal but what we're doing in in other areas as well uh the communicator for me chris was something that i chased for 20 years and i know we just kind of brushed over it last time because we wanted to talk to dr brian holoida um but the communicator for us was was a huge win and and it should be uh it should be mentioned that for us for a small time podcast for a small company in st louis to kind of go toe-to-toe with people that I admire like ESPN 30 for 30 and hundreds of other podcasts out there that are doing podcast documentaries to take home the award of excellence was something I was really proud of. And I think you were kind of just shocked that I entered 
and you know <laughs> <Right>. it's kind of <laughs> i was thinking um, i was trying to think about when the first time you told me about it was i i know i wasn't at home i think i was on the road and i think you contacted me and was like oh that sounds good and i didn't real. i mean you're much more into the communications aspect of things than i am and i didn't realize how big of an award this was and i kind of started digging in myself and was like oh wow we, you know these all these big corporations and all these big companies that are uh that won awards and were part of the part of it so that's that's pretty cool and and you, was there some sort of would there have been some sort of award ceremony if it wasn't for the COVID stuff? Is am I am I thinking that right? Yeah, I would have thought so. I actually went back to the studio where I share office space with another place that's you know that I work for as a consultant. So they've been shut down, you know, just for safety reasons. And I finally got a chance to get in there to get some camera equipment. And on my desk was actually our acceptance letter and our congratulations letter and everything. And that was back in March, I think. So they let us know around May 11th, um, basically what happened. And I, and I, and I, and I do believe they do have some kind of ceremony or awards. And unfortunately it's just been that type of year. Um, and now with the civil unrest, it's just, uh, it's a crazy time where you are constantly, you know, asking yourself, uh, you know, are we doing the right thing? Are we saying the right things? So I think not being in public as much, not being at work as much, not interacting as much is causing a lot of pent up kind of cabin fever happening within, I think, people. So, you know, to have, you know, that walking into my office and seeing that was like this sigh of relief that finally, you know, like, wow, this is, this is fun. I remember. I remember when we used to go to events and yeah. <laughs> concerts and and award shows and you know. So, I, I think that you know. I think we will continue to enter. And I think the big news too this week is that we are on iHeartRadio, which is some of my favorite podcasts are on iHeartRadio to be, you know, added to that cast of, um, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of great podcasts. Um, it's just more competition for us, but at the same time, like it's just an honor to be on that network now. Hey, if, if um, Zach Braff and Donald Faison want to give us a shout out on uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends podcast, I mean that'd be great because I, yeah. I think that's like the biggest iHeartRadio podcast right now there is. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I always ask Joe Rogan to give Lost Boys a Hannibal a shout out. I mean, you know, um, and hopefully, you know, we might be on uh, might be on Dave Glover soon. Maybe you know he might pick us up. Right now, it's it's kind of crazy that you know you have uh, everybody's still kind of locked down. So even the the radio um, interviews I've been doing with Lost Boys of Hannibal have all been over the phone. I've been at home and and I was at a you know I was on a um, Quincy radio station, which was uh, which was fun. So I we got the word out there, and so all of that kind of hit at the same time. And so our downloads spiked beyond belief. This will be our biggest month in history. We had we a, standing, and we had our biggest day in history not too long ago too. I mean, we were. Yes. Uh, it was just huge. So thanks for all the new downloads and thanks for all the new listeners. Also, want to point out and kind of transition into the next step here is all the people that have joined the discussion group in the uh, last uh, month or so. We jumped up. I, I think I made myself a note. We're up to three hundred and nineteen members now in our discussion group. So if you haven't been on our discussion group, you're, you're on episode six. How many episodes? Is this nineteen? Is or I guess would be like 21 with the bonus episodes um get on the discussion group if you're on facebook if you've gotten this far you're com you're pot committed now <laughs> you might as well just go ahead and get on the discussion group um and if, if you're already on there thanks we've had so much good input uh and so many people have uh kind of put their thoughts out there and we're going to get into a little bit later just before we went on to do this podcast today we got a uh, message from uh, somebody very interesting and i think this might lead to more uh, including possibly a uh, interview with this person because of her background, but we'll uh, we'll dig into that a little bit. But excuse me, a little bit later. But uh, again, uh, we've had some people. John Rotman, I'll throw out there as a shout out. He's been throwing a lot of pictures. He's been going around Hannibal taking pictures of Stoll School, uh, some of the different locations. So that's been really cool. Um, and, and a lot of input too. I've been able to ask some questions lately. From uh, we have a lot of Hannibal people that are on that discussion group, and I was able to ask like, uh, okay. Um, 
is that we know that Southside Christian Church is no longer there. Did their congregation move to another church or, you know, was it just done or when it was taken down? So we were able to get questions like that answered um, from our discussion group, which helps us uh, go down the next steps of finding uh, more information as we go along. So thanks to everybody that's on there. Again, I'll just throw out, keep it civil. <laughs> you want to keep it civil? Um, sometimes it gets the excitement uh, riled up uh, for getting into this, but uh, we appreciate that. But uh, make sure to, to uh, keep that in mind as you're going along. Yeah, there's definitely a little passion out there, yes. Chris, that I've, that I've noticed. And I think I've kind of, you know, uh, you know, I've kind of like mitigated some of those things at times and just been like, hey, we're all we're after the same thing. Um, I had some interesting private messages uh, recently regarding other podcasts that I've listened to in the past. And um, I just want everybody to know at this point, we have a third co-host. It's Chris's cat. And I'm staring at it. <laughs> I was hoping he's going to be quiet enough and nobody heard him, but I don't know if that's going to work. Jack's, Jack's in the studio with me, so our co-host Jack is in there. Um, but at, at, you know, I think that it 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 blossoms to see these people coming over from True Crime Garage and Crime Junkie and uh, True Crime Junkie and, and stuff like that, especially with. You know, there's so much content out there, and the fact that we're episodic, the fact that we're focusing on one story, and basically, as as I'm on this, it's a good segue is to, we are headed back to Hannibal. We are headed back, I think we went out on the fringe a little bit, tried to explore some different avenues, and I think uh, Dr. Brian Haloida really kind of centered us into where our thinking should be as far as first steps. Now, we're not ruling anything out. We're still not ruling out totally that it might have been abduction. It might have been a case of uh, something nefarious. But at the same time, I believe uh, his intellect and his statistics that he pulled, and, and once again, this is such a huge thing right now uh, in the world, is the informed opinion. The informed opinion is so important. Um, that you have research and facts that back up what you're saying. It's not just a meme that he was reading from. He was reading from actual statistics. So it really gave us, um, it really gave us a day in the life of what happens. And I think that what came away from Chris, if you want to get into it, um, uh, with uh, Dr. Holoida was the idea that you know these 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 pedophiles that molest and and um, sexually assault children don't normally kill it's not it's a rarity mm -hmm. and that's that that speaks volumes right now that doesn't rule out charles ray hatcher uh it doesn't rule out a couple other local suspects which we'll be talking about in future episodes but it does exist it's something that is there and if chris if you want to elaborate on that i mean i think that when we look at everything that haloida has talked about uh it, it was I've listened to the episode a couple times just to make sure that I had it fresh in my head. So I feel it was a very interesting episode. It really was that cornerstone for the season. I mean, we start with John Wayne Gacy. We go into Charles Ray Hatcher, and then we learn about child predators. We learn about murderers. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, one thing that I took away because, you know, we're doing this, uh, we're still doing this, oh, you know, what do you want to say, via the Internet, uh, but afterwards, we got off the phone with the doctor, and and Frankie and I were talking. And Frankie, your first your first thought, your first thing you said to me was, maybe they still are in the caves, because <laughs> you, you I mean so it was yeah. that that was interesting of how powerful that the the interview was that that you've been you've been man I remember like the first couple weeks of us talking about this that you were like. Oh, it's a prime opportunity for somebody to kidnap. You know, it's it's just it's just it seems like there's no other reasonable explanation besides kidnapping. And now we're back to like, oh, maybe they're still in the in the caves, <laughs> which um, which yeah, it, it, <laughs> which, it makes credence to to what he was saying because. It, it, but I will throw out there, and there was a few things that I you know I it was powerful what he said, and it made you think, but it really didn't didn't change my opinion i still think it's super easy for somebody to I, I shouldn't say super easy i think it's very easy for somebody 
to be manipulative. Go back to Charles Ray Hatcher in saying that he was a, a security guard at a grocery store. Uh, you know, go back to that to where it was super easy for them to be manipulative. Who's to say, I mean, again, who's to say, hey, you know, come on, kids, let's go do, I'll take you back, you know, I'll take you to the grocery store i'll take you somewhere you know jump in my car again we don't know the mentality and that was another thing that dr lloyd didn't really didn't really have a grasp on which we completely understand was how much has that mentality changed is the 60s mentality of kids uh young teenage kids is that changed from today you know in today's world and frankie when you and i are growing up we knew don't get in cars with strangers and all that stuff was that really that thing in the 60s it's a good question. Uh, you know, I've read some statistics. I've listened to other uh, true crime podcasts. I don't know which one it was, but I, I may, it might have been on even on TV, you know, uh, with Cold Case. And what they were saying is is that, like, it's actually safer for kids to be outside today than it was back then based on statistics and ratings. Um, we we had, I mean, we talked about this with Haloida a little bit because we had serial killers back then. We had people that were abducting left and right. We had different you know, pedophiles out there that were serial kidnapping and, and abducting um, children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that really struck me as odd too, Chris, and, and, and I know we have more to discuss on this, but we never really looked at any other cases um, like in Hannibal or around the area, aside from, you know, uh, Montgomery. Montgomery right? City. Or Monroe City, I'm sorry, Monroe City. Monroe, I'm sorry, Monroe City, yes, sorry, I'm in Alabama right now. (laughs) (laughs) Or Ohio, actually, like Montgomery is. But, you know, I think that, yeah, I mean, I came away from that conversation like, well, man, like, here's the thing, though, Chris, I will will say this, because this is kind of the episode where, in case you guys haven't caught on what this episode's about, this episode's really about um, kind of where we are. This is kind of where we are right now. With everything that we know, everything that we've learned, and this is kind of the midway to season two, and as, and as we turn this corner, as we head back to Hannibal, the thing that I want people to remember is Breedlove, who was the janitor, who reports seeing the boys at 5.15 on top of Lover's Leap. Between five, if they are in the caves, between 5.15 and 5.45, where they had to be at that bus stop, in that distance, if they weren't abducted, they're missing right around there. Mm-hmm. So it's right under our nose. It's literally right under our feet. We've had some interesting stuff going on in the discussion groups, uh, people even putting out yardage and feet numbers and stuff. But that that is something that you can really kind of sit back and be like, wow, let's chew on that for a second. Because how do you go missing from seeing somebody at 515 to being gone at 545, like vanishing in thin mm-hmm. air. So there's somewhere close by. Because if you went, if you went, if you gave yourself 30 minutes in either direction and just walked straight and did it at a regular pace, that's where you would be. So it's that different distance that needs to be covered, in my opinion. Mm, good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So, anyway, going back to Dr. Lloyd uh, and where I'm at after that, I mean, there was a little piece of me that was saying, okay, they're probably in the caves. And you know my percentage is Frankie. I've always been at 40% that, and I'm still maintaining that 40% in the caves. I still, the percentages are really high, but there's, I think there's other factors still involved. Um, but... I still think that, again, Charles Ray Hatcher is a great example, that an opportunistic person, and they had an opportunity to, to do that, and potentially. So I don't want to throw that out. I, I still think, again, my percentages of, of abduction or something like that is still there. But, again, we need to go back down. We're going down all the rabbit holes. And I think we've eliminated some of the crazy rabbit holes, and we've kind of filled those in in the last couple months, which is good. And, and you will see also, and it's so interesting, this kind of uh, kind of off-topic a little bit, but our discussion group also, going back to that, they also do that as well. And it's interesting to see that, you know, 
when we talked about John Wayne Gacy, there was, you know, once we got past that, before that, they were like, well, John Wayne Gacy is a possibility. And then after we talked about it and went through that, went through talking about his background, everybody's like, okay, we're off the John Wayne Gacy train, unless you're John Wingate. But we're off the John Wayne Gacy, <laughs> John Wayne Gacy uh, train. But so now we're kind of switching to, you can see even in the discussion group now, that people are like, oh, I think they're still in the caves. Where before, uh, you know, there was still a little bit of a strong feeling. And I'm excited to get, if you all have been in our discussion group, I did post, which we'll get to a little bit later on, a poll question that is very interesting that has to do with those things right there. We'll get to that in a little bit. But anyway, going back to what, uh, with Dr. Lloyd, uh, I, I, I don't want to discount abduction scenario. I also want to throw out there that, the family thing was brought up and I, I, I don't want to, we're not going to pinpoint anybody. Obviously there was, there was stuff thrown at the dad in, in the late two thousands about, he was the one that murdered him, murdered them and put him in the basement, which is just absurd. Um, we're, you know, but we got to keep that in mind, not only family, but also people that knew who they were. Um, yeah. So, and I had just before we started, just literally probably five minutes before we started recording, somebody posted about, uh, or somebody actually messaged us, um, private messaged us, and asked us about what do we know about the janitor? How is this the janitor is the very last person to see him, and we don't really did anybody check the basement of the school, or did they did they check they do a background check on 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 this breed love since he was the last person to see him? So, and that's a great question. We don't know anything. So again, that's on my to do list is let's let's figure out what's going on with breed love. Let's get his background story a little bit more. Um, because again, he saw him twice, which I think. Let's go to the fact of this, Frankie. Yeah. What What's the odds of this guy being? I think it was what four thirty five. No, I guess it would have been earlier than that, like three three twenty or so. That he sees he sees him for the first time, and then an hour later, he just happens to be in the same room at the same time at five fifteen and sees him again. I mean, that seems like it's just kind of. Those chances, those odds seem kind of kind of high to me. Of that, I mean, was he just smoking a cigarette up there? I mean, I, I think and, that when you well, let me say, let me point yeah, that when, out real quick. So we know that he was cleaning the first time that he saw them, and then the second time he was coming around to close the windows. So that five fifteen was when supposedly he was closing the windows. I, I have stood where I think we even did a video on our Facebook page when we were still allowed to be around people. Um, I think that when we were there, yeah, this was way before. Well, it wasn't. It was maybe a month before all of the COVID stuff happened, and I think we were out there and we filmed something right at that. And I looked at approximately where we were to where the where the boys would have been. There's no way I could have identified three boys. There's just no way. Like he must have known them. Or he put them there. Wait, wait, but by put them there, do you mean that he like he he didn't really see them, but he thought that he saw them? So, or what do you mean by no, that? No, think think darker. Oh, like he buried them. <laughs> he buried them. No, there? he was basically using misdirection. Oh, yeah. Again, let's not go down that deep of a rabbit hole. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just clearly saying. I mean, I'm answering the question. Sure. Like it kind of hands these. It, it makes things go off the fringe. I mean, it is strange that he's that he reports seeing them twice more than anybody else. Um, that is really the death warrant for the for the kids. At five fifteen is the last time they're seen. That's it. It's served. Um, nobody else sees him after that. I think the other eyewitness came earlier, right? Was it was a teacher? Yeah, yeah, it was a teacher, but it was like a five tens when she saw saw him, or saw them, and they and they were in the same area. Yeah, they were right. I, actually, I think they were in the same area, or they were heading up to that second terrace level at the cutout at that time. So right there, it it kind of backs that story. So you can just once again fill that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the janitor, you know, there you go. There's there's motive. But here's the thing. Eyewitness testimony, I think I've said this on this podcast, and, 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 and I'll say it again. It's the only evidence that's not admissible. That's how important it is. Eyewitness testimony is the most important. Today, we rely on video. We rely on cameras. We rely on you know sound and all these different bites and 
but to, back then we didn't have that. We couldn't just look at a, a stop camera. We couldn't just use somebody's like, you know, doorknob with a camera on it that was filming outside. So when you look at it from, you know, where we are in 1967 and try to pinpoint it, I don't know that breed love is is worth the time spent going down it. Now, if you want to do it on your own and you want to report back to us, please do. You are more. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. You are more. You are more than than welcome to do that. I, I think that it's a good question. It's a solid question. Don't think it hasn't escaped me and Chris a hundred times. I think when we first read it, I even found a picture of him in an old uh, yearbook. So when we went to the library that one time, the the, the thing that that that's striking to me the thing that's that's nuts to me is when you look at that timeline and and within 30 minutes 40 minutes they were gone and just off the map so you know can you have an argument did they get in a car maybe sure that's possible i mean the older sister Dee Dee does confirm that that they did take rides from strangers that they did hitchhike this is something that was part of their um it was part of the day it was part of something that they did so I go back to if it is if it is somebody, then it's somebody they knew, somebody that's related. Because the opportunistic killer in, 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 in this in this scenario is very hard. Well isn't that prove. a little bit you're, you may be contradicting yourself a little bit there, Frankie though, because it's you said that they have to be um, that you think it's somebody that they know but on the other hand, they they were known for taking rides from strangers. So I mean, you have to. I think you had to kind of put the possibility in there that it's that that you could be looking at a Ray Ferrier or Charles Ray Hatcher that was involved in this scenario, or some local suspect that they knew. Yeah, true. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I mean, so when she says they took rides, it could have been from people they knew. Mm-hmm. Because regardless of how you look at it, I think that they would they would have taken a ride from somebody that they might have known of or was close to the family. Or remember too, I mean, the Hogs owned the tavern, and to my recollection, that's the only tavern there that was. You know, everybody knew that tavern on the south side. Everybody would have visited that place at some point. And so the broad view of this, of how many people they knew and came into contact with on the south side. There's possibilities there that, you know, if you want to play, if you want to stay in that, what I think, what do we have it? Local suspect, I think we're at. Oh, like, like, like 4% total between two suspects. Yeah. That's my percentages. Yeah. I mean, the real low. Yeah. So it's low. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I think we have a, I think we have a more, a, a better chance of, Recovery, if they are lost in the case. Yeah, yeah. At least a little bit. I mean, and then we'll talk a little bit more about some stuff later. But um, yeah, there's a good possibility there. But again, I, I just, I just, I guess if you want to wrap this up in a nice package. Is that um, I, I don't think I still don't think you can you can just eliminate the possibility of them being not being abducted I, th- I think that that still has to be a play just just for the simple fact that um you know and again i go back to tex yokum I, I know we're kind of re drudging old memories but tex yokum i he he tore that he tore the hell out of that uh the cutout i mean there's no place they could have been in that cutout in my opinion um murphy's cave we that doesn't alchem's razor that not murphy's or cave is is a quarter mile away from the cutout that was where the last scene somebody and oh, we'll get to that later <laughs> i'm getting all getting all riled up frankie um anyway well it happens because like this is what we're at that turning point now where we head back to hannibal missouri where we you know we've we've gone off the friends we've gone off the reservation i mean people are like hey like don't forget about the boys <laughs> yeah so let's move <laughs> we on we haven't let's move on because i because we're going to come back to this a little bit later with uh with the the discussion post that just been posted uh today so um okay but let's go on I, there's a couple just quick little updates i want to give <clears throat> 
The first one being, we talked about back in the Monroe City case about Sergeant Webb with the Marion County Sheriff's Department. We were hoping to get in touch with her, and we were told by, uh, I believe it was a, f- a former empl- uh, a former co-worker with her, that she is no longer with the Sheriff's Department. Uh, so um, good luck to her and wh- where she's going. Unfortunately for us, that kind of gives us a dead end. And unfortunately for the families in Monroe City and even even for our case, that, that kind of gives us a little bit of a dead end because Sergeant Webb was really involved with those cold cases. You really haven't heard much out of Marion County uh, related to cold cases since she left. So um, that's unfortunate, but again, best of luck to her. Um, we do still have, um, I do have somebody working on trying to get in touch with her so we can maybe backtrack a little bit on that later on, maybe do a bonus episode about their efforts with Monroe City and their cases there. Uh, so we'll we'll kind of dig into that. Of course, one big question I still haven't had answered yet, and that was a big discussion point, was with uh, Ricky Lee Enochs. And that was the second Monroe City case about if they ever submitted his DNA to Chicago for John Wayne Gacy, because I still think we thought there may be a strong connection, uh, but we don't know for sure. So we need to find out about that. <clears throat> All right. We're good to move on. That was a quick a little quick hit for you. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think having Webb on the show would be amazing. I think that she can lend some she can even lend more information now because she's not active. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be great. So um so yeah, so that that's one update we want to give you real quick. Another thing that we found out recently, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's um, something we didn't know about. We've been doing this for over a year now and weren't aware about this. Uh, there was another unsolved murder that happened in Quincy in 1970. <clears throat> and I'll just go ahead and read you the story. Again, it comes from our good good, good buddies at uh, KHQA in Quincy. Uh, it's a story that dates back all the way to May 10th. And I want to give a, another shout-out to Angela Remington for passing this along because I was not aware about this, and, so, and neither was Frankie. Uh, so it's great to get this story. But I'm going to go ahead and read you. It's a real quick story from uh, KHQA. It says, Here's a story that reminds you of something you would find on 48 Hours Mystery, a murder that's gone unsolved for 40 years. Patty Ann Smith of Quincy was nine years old when she went missing in 1970. For this unsolved mysteries in the Tri-States report, KHQA checked into the case for some background and headed to the police department for the facts. Patty Ann Smith was last seen here walking near 10th and 11th and Broadway. A lot has changed since then, but the mystery of her disappearance has remained the same. Her remains and clothes were found about a year later by some mushroom hunters off of Highway 57 south of Quincy near Bluffs Hall Church. Where does the case stand now? According to John Summers, right now the case is idle and all the evidence is gone. Summers, who started with the department in 1977, has checked with several agencies, including the FBI and D.C., to find Patty's remains and clothing, but they are missing. A possible lead from the case from Patty's family members a few... A possible lead came from Patty's family members a few years ago. A family member gave the victim's father a barrette that supposedly belonged to Patty. Police followed up on that tip, but it was fruitless. Uh, Summers also added that we did get a piece of possible evidence that has been sent to the crime lab to check for DNA, but unfortunately there was nothing found on it. He also says that investigators focused on two sex offenders in years past, but those offenders were eliminated as persons of interest in the case, and the person who the investigation would focus on has been uh, now died about 30 years ago. So that's kind of a wrap uh, on that, but we do have a 1970s missing and unfortunately a murder case of a nine-year-old girl so that's three years down the road from our 67 case and speaking of down the road it's about 15 miles away yeah see it's <laughs> i don't i uh it, it just it it yeah <laughs> it it's it, it's it's what it is, man. It, it's like a rubber band, and it keeps snapping back and snapping back. Like you you kind of, it's like a rubber band's tied around my waist, and I want to head toward the caves. And then you hear something like this from 1970, and it's like, was there a local suspect there that was never caught? I know that there's a book that I'm reading that I posted on Instagram. Um, I I've had some issues with the way he talks about the town, but I'm trying to get through it as best I can because he does talk about some other suspects that were local there as well. I I think that when you look at the 1970 case, it is very bizarre. It is very odd. And the body is found very, uh, 
the body wasn't covered at all, wasn't it? Just found like it was very it was very Charles Ray Hatcher style. Yeah, it was um, just it was well, and it was was found in the woods, which is which you're right is right up Charles Ray Hatcher's uh, playbook. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't real, like it was hidden real well. It was just found in the woods. Yeah, well, found in the woods. I mean, a lot like Charles Ray Hatcher, and, and just you know, kind of left there, and it's just uh, gives you chills. And I and I wonder if that family is still around the area as well. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. This is the only thing we had was just the story. So, um, but uh, it's interesting. Again, I I think that the, the distance, and especially, I mean, you're looking a little bit younger. Um, I never did put. Tra- I never did look track down to see if Charles Ray Hatcher would be a, in play at that point in time. Uh, we know that no, he wouldn't. I think he would. I think he was in California at that point in time. I think he was still dealing with the legal system in California, going into the mental hospitals. Yeah. So I don't think he's really a, a suspect in the case. But I do find it interesting they went with sex offenders as a possibility of couple suspects. Uh, but anyway, it's an interesting story again. KHQA, you can look up Patty Ann Smith and KHQA. You can look at that story um, and kind of dig into it. But I just wanted to point out that it's interesting. We saw another murder uh, just three years down the road and 15 miles down the road. So, so that is that. Um, moving on real quick here, uh, another big issue, another talking point that we've talked about, and this goes back all the way to the last season, uh, and it goes back to. When, you know, we know that Helen and Mike went to the meat market on that day that the boys went missing. They they left around the same time that the boys left. Um, and we don't know the exact time that they got back. I, I still question if, if Helen and Mike got back around 5 o'clock when Billy came to change his shoes. And they were she was actually there. They were actually there when Billy came to change his shoes. Uh, but we don't know that for a fact. But uh, I was able to do some research and uh, ask uh, some family friends and uh, that grew up on the South Side in the 60s. And according to them, there's only three known meat markets in the 60s. And they were IGA, Kroger, Oakwood Market, and Rotens Grocery. Now, IGA, Kroger, and Oakwood Market are probably a good mile away from the south side, but Rodent's Grocery is on Lindell Avenue, and that may be the grocery store that they were going to. Now, there has been a picture, again, going to John Rotman that was posted, and it's a cool picture. I think I may have even posted a picture of it on our discussion group as well, about um, there is a very cool mural on the side of a brick building that is down in the uh down the south side in hannibal that's within a couple blocks of where the hogs and the dows lived and it has it has like south side meat market on it and it's a cool it's a very neat mural but we don't know when the time frame when that when that that store was open so uh we don't know for sure if it was open during that time, but we do know for sure IGA, Kroger, Oakwood Market, and Rotens, and I believe that's spelled R-O-T-E-N-T-S, Grocery on Lindell Avenue. Those are the three that we do know of. Frankie, I want to throw this out to the listeners, and if if you grew up in Hannibal in the 60s and were missing something, uh, and there were there's some sort of meat market that was that you think that the Hoags or that Helen and Mike went to, let us know. Uh, go to the discussion page, go to our website, email us uh, somehow, because we do want to find out, because it's interesting about that timing, how long Mike and Helen were gone. Were they gone long enough that they missed them when Billy came back around to get his shoes changed? Those are questions we, I, I really kind of want to find out, because it might help us kind of narrow things down a little bit as to um, getting some of those, just some of those minute things answered. Uh, so yeah, give us a, give us a shout out for that. Yeah, it was good research on the meat market. I, I guess you know it's it, it's always the simple things too. When you, when you look at these cases, you have to you have to take everything um, minute by minute and, and what was happening at, at the same time and you know how close were they? And you would think that somebody else saw those boys. I I just still I I can't get past that either. Yeah. At five fifteen. Yeah, I mean, are are aren't people sitting on the porch or outside or? looking out the window or not even noticing maybe they're just not even noticing i mean you know the fire guy the fireman knew them i didn't know they made that brief stop there mm-hmm. in the morning uh, it's just it's bizarre to me so and let's so let's go to that a little bit um 
And this goes into our next thing about uh, the posting from the geologist that uh, we just had recently, uh, just today on our Facebook page. Uh, and it has to do with Murphy's Cave. And the again, Frankie, we're on the same page about, about Tex Shiokum. We both feel confident that the cutout is not the play, right? That they can't be in, that the chances of them being in the cutout, if you want to go to, they're in a cave, the chances of them being in the cutout is slim to none. Do you feel the same? I, I, I feel that there are people in our discussion group that are adamant that they are there. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have not, I, I, I love Tex Yoakum, but you're talking about three boys. You're talking about three people. And they might have not all gotten lost in the same spot, too. That's what people have to remember. Just because you're three people doesn't mean you all get lost in the same spot. The same general, excuse me, the same general area, though. I mean, you're not going to have Billy and Joey in the cutout and and Craig in Murphy's Cave. But I go back to the case about three years before they went missing. Where they were in Murphy's Cave, a bunch of kids, they took a ball of yarn, the yarn mm-hmm. ran out, they left the one kid behind, and the other two pursued, mm-hmm. and they were gone for a good 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, outside of that kid, and the kid's uh, flashlight went out, and then finally they made their way back, and they found the yarn, and they were able to get out. But for that time, it could be that if you're looking for one small child, you know, by any means, you could miss it. You, you could you could miss it pretty easy, if if you know maybe he digged everything where was it maybe one foot over, that's where they were, so you don't, so I can't rule it out. I I think the probability is low, but there's still a possibility. Right. Yeah, I, I guess I can agree with you on that. I, I that there's still a po- there's, if I'm going to put percentages on on each location, I I have a hard time with with the cutout being being that location. But again, we've. We've always put our emphasis on our belief in Texiocum and, and how much they've ripped, they've completely ripped up that area. Um, anyway, I want to get to that. The reason I this goes back to Murphy's Cave. Um, I'll go ahead and read this first. This is coming from Julie Carol Angel. She just posted this today on our discussion group, and I did ask her if I could read this, and, and she was okay with that. So I'm going to go ahead and read this to you guys. It says, Thank you for accepting me as part of the discussion group. My grandparents lived on Union Street, three blocks from Highway 79 Road Cut, and knew the boys' families. I was almost eight in May of 1967, so I don't remember a lot about the details. I do vividly remember the somber mood that prevailed during conversations about the search each time we visited. My grandpa firmly believed that they were somewhere under the road. Fast forward to today, I'm a geologist, cave researcher, college professor, and have been caving for a long time. I want to point out, Frankie hasn't heard this yet. <laughs> uh, so let me keep going. Uh, Wait, is she going to invite me to the caves? Because that's still no. <laughs> uh, so, again, uh, she says, I believe the boys are somewhere in the caves. The awful smell that was described from Murphy's Cave haunts me. The air within caves moves in and out of entrances based on atmospheric pressure outside the cave, just as wind blows from areas of high and low pressure in our atmosphere. Cave air will blow out of an entrance when the atmosphere pressure outside drops, and the cave will pull air in when the pressure outside is greater. The velocity of the air that enters and exits can be an indicator of the amount of cave passage present. I have no doubt that many of the south side caves are connected, maybe not by large passage that a human can traverse, but fractures in the dolostone bedrock. Hope I pronounced that right. So the air exiting Murphy's Cave would be from Murphy's passages, but also could be from other caves that are connected by small fractures. Someone asked about multiple levels in these caves maze or block caves as they are called in one episode tend to form from the bottom up i would bet the family farm that there are at least one level beneath let me repeat that i would bet that the family i bet the family farm that there's at least one level beneath the dry passages in murphy's cave someone shared a story with me that they had been in a lower wet level of mark twain cave years ago with a high school teacher after exploring, they had a tough time finding the hole that led them to this lower level. 
could the boys have located a passage leading to the lower Murphy's level and become lost or trapped? If that level is at groundwater level, it would indeed contain water just like the Mark Twain's lower passages. The water level rises and falls based on changes in the levels of local rivers and streams. I am certified in level 1 cave rescue and I question whether searchers, even those with lots of caving experiences, could find every possible lead in a cave they are unfamiliar with over a period of 10 days to 2 weeks. I volunteered at Mammoth Cave NP and have read many books on the exploration of cave systems. Explorers can spend years in a cave only to find a small crack in the floor tucked under the wall that was overlooked in past surveys. As mentioned earlier, the children of Hannibal's Southside knew those caves better than anyone. It would be beneficial to find someone with, of those young explorers that are still around today that might want to talk about their experiences. At the time of the rescue attempt, they may have been afraid to talk for fear of getting in trouble with their parents or authorities. Um, thanks for, sorry for the long ramble. This story has always been on my mind and in my heart. Well, you're a part of our podcast now. <laughs> I am. I have. I have. I have chills from this woman because that explains. It explains a lot, and if yeah, if you're looking for you know somebody that the Bramlett boys, they had like 17 children. So we have like 17 Bramlets that are out there that probably went inside <laughs> those caves, right? I mean. They kept naming off the names at one point. Uh, as young as four were inside that cave. So that, that kid would probably be, what, 14 years older than me. I was born in 77. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, these people are young. They're not, like, the boys, the, the, the lost boys would have, would have been in, you know, uh, in their 50s? 52? They were 10 years old, 13 years old? Yeah, I mean, they're in their mid fifties. They're that's still pretty prime. Um, so there's plenty of people that probably have been in those caves. The other thing that's that is unsettling as well is when and maybe clarify, uh, you know, clarify if if I'm wrong or not. But is she saying that like the smell could have been from another passage? Uh, that's kind of what I was gathering too. Is that with you you only need like it might be a passage that is so small that people can't travel through, but it could be a passage that air can travel through. So, you know, and yeah. there's always been a, you know, there's been thoughts and there's been people that have said, you know, that they think all those caves are connected in some way, shape or form that, you know, you have the cutout, you have Mark Twain cave, Cameron caves, the uh, Murphy's cave, that all those caves can be connected, but they obviously have, there's so many passages. There's no way to know for sure. And especially when you get into such small passages that, you know, you, you can't fit through, you have no idea. Is there a connection? But we do know for sure that, you know, if you look at a current Google map uh, of today on the South, Side Hannibal, where the new school is at, we know that there was a cave all the way down there. And you're looking, um, you know, you're probably looking 150, 200 feet from the cutout area uh, that you have yeah. a cave. And then, of course, we know that there's caves that are even on, on I can't remember the street, but the first street right underneath Lover's Leap, there, where there's another cave entrance there. So who's to say that you don't have small passages and maybe something unfortunate did happen in the cutout cave? Uh, but the smell would blown because you have all these passages going to Murphy's cave and that's where that smell came from. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's definitely a, it's a, it's a pinpoint. And I think that, you know, you drop a pin there because I don't know, I've, I know you ruled out Murphy's cave a long time ago and it is still a hike. You have to remember the timeline. If, if, if Breedlove knew exactly what he was talking about, why would they go back into Murphy's Cave from 515 to go back into Murphy's Cave? Why? Did they forget something? Did they I leave think there's something? a more important thing to make a, make a note of about that, too, is that you had all these people from whatever time they started to 515 that saw them. Now, how is it that at 515, if they're going back to Murphy's Cave, nobody saw them? No. That's how that almost run, he almost would have run into his body. yeah well not quite but but again you had you had this stretch of a core half a mile and or four tenths of a mile and you had 20 30 people that saw them at, from you know that time period and then all of a sudden they go back to Murphy's cave nobody sees them I mean that doesn't make any sense to me right and the Bramlett boys lived outside in front I of I mean it, they were they? just they were kind of like 
perpendicular to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it. Because because remember that's why they started the they started in Murphy's Cave because the Bramlett boys maybe the Bramlett boys time was off maybe they meant five thirty instead of four thirty that's true I mean yeah yeah you're talking about you're talking to kids mm-hmm. right the kids wear wristwatches at that point yeah um, I I don't know if I ever brought this up on on our our podcast but um, I took uh, a few weeks of a course called uh, Forensic uh, Psychology. It was a free course. Uh, look it up. I think it was Future Learn or something like that. It's a really cool course to take. And it goes into um, eyewitness testimony, and it goes into the idea of how bad eyewitness testimony actually is and how inaccurate a lot of times it is. I mean, they've gotten to the point now where they don't do police lineups anymore or, or pictures of which one looks familiar because that it doesn't work anymore. Uh, so it, it shows you yeah. how, how, how the actual eyewitness testimony doesn't, isn't always, always, always foolproof. And, and I think you can, that leans right. into your, your brain. I mean, not to say that the Bramlett boys did something wrong or, or they were incorrect and maybe they were, maybe that's exactly the time frame that they were there. And maybe there's collaborating evidence say that they had, they had supper at five o'clock. So they didn't see them at that time because they weren't outside. I mean, maybe there's some other story there that we don't know. Um, but again, on the flip side, maybe there is, and maybe, maybe they're mis- mistaken, but then you get firefighters that saw them walk in there at four thirty, or, uh, I guess it was around four twenty. Um, so I, I just, I, I find it's really hard if you want to boil it all down, I find it really hard for them to not be seen from lover sleep at five fifteen getting back to Murphy's Cape. But who's to say you had Atwood that was adamant that, that he was in, they were in the cave at uh, Murphy's cave. Um, and you know, he, he said that there was a lower section and, and we have our, our geologist here with us, um, that, that posted, which I think she pretty much just wrote her own, uh, her own episode uh, coming up because <laughs> uh, that was some great information. But um, she, she feels confident that there's a lower level in Murphy's cave. So that's, that's very interesting, but it's just a problem of how did how did they get from point A to point B without being seen? Yeah, and I guess all of this, um, you know, there's a lot to think of in this episode. And I will point out once again that please do not go caving or looking for Murphy's Cave. Murphy's Cave is mm-hmm. closed. Um, it is a very dangerous site still. Uh, it's off the. It's off a very busy highway. Um, it's, it's, there's a sidewalk there. It's fine to go by, take pictures and stuff like that. But please do not involve yourself <laughs> in the case. We have people that get a little, uh, little froggy sometimes and they want to leap. But, you know, we have to make sure that we're doing everything to the proper authorities. And I will mention, Kiz, that, that I did talk to um, Jan Meyer, who is a cadaver dog expert and has a couple of her own. So that show, I, I really believe that we'll talk to her when, when the time is right. I don't know if that episode is right for this season, but she is in the she is in the wings. She, she has told me some interesting things about what dogs can do, and that might be on a future episode as well. So for right now, I think that, when we look at everything that we discussed today, and there's a lot there, there's a lot to dissect, there's a lot to chew on. So I'm, 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 I'm hoping the discussion groups will explode over the next two weeks, being like, "Wow, you guys were all over the place." But I think that this is kind of where we are, and we wanted to say, like, you know, we we have these conversations daily. We 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 talk about these things to ourselves. We relook at the case. It gets very frustrating at times. At times, you just gotta walk away from it because, the, you know, the geologist puts us back in Murphy's caves or puts us back into some kind of uh, a tunnel system or a system of caves that are all connected somehow, and no one's been able to kind of really prove that yet. So that that in and of itself is an interesting find, right? But we're getting closer and closer, and and we're creating new waves. We're not just saying, you know, it's John Wayne Gacy. I I I can't I can't put that. As I can't sign on that dot, and I can't sign on anything else. So we're keeping things open. Um, the, the abduction theory for me is waning just because of this new news that I just heard today, the geologist report. And it really kind of like narrows the search tremendously. You don't understand. I mean, as much as the Ray Hatcher and, and the John Wayne episodes do really well in the true crime circuit, Chris, can can you even say if 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 one day, knock on wood, when we when we find them, 
can we even say that it's a true crime no <laughs> podcast anymore if if uh if they're in the case it's, a, it's, a, it's an unsolved is there an unsolved mystery category in podcast um i think that that that's definitely more in our in our wheelhouse than, yeah. than true crime it falls it falls in true crime yeah. i mean unsolved mysteries was all basically missing persons and stuff like that so it does still fall in true crime it's just you know it doesn't have the the luster mm-hmm. for some strange reason about a serial killer and i'm i'm actually it um and i think i've said this on a couple radio interviews it actually it lightens my heart a little bit more to know that they they were doing something they loved to do and versus that terrible salacious end of some kind of abductee serial killer um and i, I think it is time to kind of look at everyone um as we go through this and and try to get back to to Hannibal. So, well, Frankie, that's um, a great segue, uh, real quick, to our next subject, and that has to do with the poll results, uh, the poll that I put up on our discussion group, and I asked the question uh, about where do you stand? You, you've heard where we're at today. You've heard all what we talked about. And if, you know, I threw up all my percentages and all my categories, and I said, if, you're, if you had to make a decision today and decide what the answer was going to be today on what happened, uh, what would it be? And a lot of people, there were some pretty cool comments of like, uh, you know, the memes got pretty heavy on the Facebook page uh, on the discussion group <laughs> about, I don't know. <laughs> um, but we did get 50 responses in this poll. And I kind of want to go through them real quick. Um, 40 or excuse me 56 percent of those that answered the poll says that they still feel like they're lost in the cave all right um i might i might have put i did see that i did see your picture pop up uh (laughs) in those results um i changed my picture uh but i so so we're at 56 (laughs) percent. so over half of those that responded believe that they're still in the cave but i did find it interesting that 20 percent still think that ray farrier is involved so uh, that's a one one fifth of of those that responded think that Ray Ferry are still involved, and we're going to talk a little more about that in just a few minutes. Six um, percent believe it's a road crew accident, so that means that they were um, accidentally you know were in the caves, but they were bulldo they had a bulldozer go over the section they were in. Six percent also believe in road crew employee abduction, so an actual road crew employee abducted them which we haven't really hit up on at all this uh or in this podcast yet uh there is a another six percent uh that believe that it's the local suspects we have two local suspects we haven't said their names yet uh but six percent of them believe that uh that the local suspects are, are are in play and uh put two percent in charles charles ray hatcher and zero percent in john wayne gacy (laughs) <laughs> Yay! From down from five percent, which is he's gone. Well, this We've is the people's. This is the people's vote here. The people's. This percentage. is fifteen percent of our group. So fifteen percent of our group believes that gentleman Gacy's not involved, and yeah, I'm happy yeah. about that. Very, very, very happy. So about that. yeah, uh, so it's interesting. I mean, I think that even my percentages is are probably about about heads on. The only thing that's different from what i believe and what they're the the percentages were at were charles ray hatcher i i you know there was only two percent for charles ray hatcher and i i until until we can we can say uh oh he was here on may may 10th uh, 1967 i can't i definitely yeah I definitively i can't take him out of the mix too too close no too you, close you and had too many murders and too many unsolved murders so yeah so anyway, thanks for the results. I, I threw that out there because I was really curious to see where people were at, especially after uh, after our last podcast with the doctor. Um, so um, thanks for responding to that. I definitely appreciate it. Are we, uh, you have anything to add before we move on? No, I, I think that those are exactly where I like where a lot of that middle ground is. Those six to set twenty percent are too. Oh, I do so. want to point out. I did ask one other question uh, on the Facebook page. I did ask if if people believe that Frankie might be an apple stabber. Um, <laughs> Had that yeah, fair? Uh, uh, Ten <laughs> said yes. Uh, two said no, and two said what? <laughs> 
They didn't listen to they the episode. Last episode. Man, I, I was sitting nope. here, and you know, I got to be serious. I'm, I'm, you know, listening and concentrating on Doctor Hloida, and then he goes, "Oh, what if it's an apple stabber?" And I went, "What? <laughs> an apple stabber?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'm actually I'm quasi dating someone, and her child is a sleepwalker, uh-huh. and that was one of the instances. That, that he had done. He had woken up in the middle of the night and he just stabbed an apple. And so she was asking me, like, do you think that this is related to any kind of like pre existing condition with potential to be violent later in life? And so that's why I asked the question. I threw it out there. I mean, is does it have anything to do with night terrors sure. or sleepwalking or I mean you know what I'm saying? So psychiatry kinda lends a hand there, but like the McDonald theory, that's kinda gone out gone the way of the dodo too. Like bedwetters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's that's not even really used yeah. anymore. It's kind of like what you were saying about like you know mug shots, which is basically profile, right? right? Like, well, yeah, you know, or the lineup. So, well, you know, a, a lot of these things we deprecate. I will, you know? but you know, the people have spoken, and they, there may be more to the story because people still think you're an apple stabber too. So, um, a good percentage, <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's the, Pull, pulls an apple from I was, under desk. I was listening to the podcast and I, I re-listening to it afterwards. And I was like, oh, I gotta post that. That that's just too funny. <laughs> um, anyway, so moving on, uh, real quick, we mentioned uh, my fifteen percent guy, Charles Ray Hatcher. Uh, we still are digging into that. We have some people. I have one person that's specifically uh, uh, in charge of our Hatcher investigation now, which I'm really excited about. Um, so she's Thank going God. to be digging in. I, I uh, sent her a list of like eight different to do things um so, so if we can it'd be nice if we if if it's not him it'd be nice to close that door um if it you know or if she finds something else um it may make us reevaluate that so hopefully in a future update we'll have some more information on that um frankie the next section goes to another one of the poll results and that 20 percent with ray farrier and I, we kind of breezed over it uh, earlier this season actually i think it was the beginning of the season we talked about it a little bit with ray farrier and and kind of the background stuff that we were doing with him i, I want to get a little more put a little more exposure out there because uh, i can't remember when we started season two i think it was probably the beginning of the year um but when we were starting, when we got into the beginning of season two, the the background with Ray Farrier was we actually submitted our stuff to the Hannibal Police Department and said, this is the information that we have. Uh, we had another investigator with another department that reviewed our evidence and said, you need to submit this to the Hannibal PD because this is significant. So we did. Um that was back, I believe, in January, and we haven't heard anything back from Hannibal Police Department. I'm not throwing them under the bus. I know they're busy. Obviously, it's a very odd time uh, for the whole country, but we have submitted evidence to the Hannibal Police Department and have not heard anything back. Does that mean that they don't care? Not necessarily, but um, I just want to throw that out there. So, yeah, I, uh, Frankie, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but I, I just wanted to put people where we were at in that situation with the background. I mean, we, you know, the company that, that produces this uh, is 100%. even wrote a message today. We're 100% behind police departments, um, and we know that their job is crucial and vital to each area. And, you know, cold cases are just that. It's not top mm-hmm. priority. And and it takes the public to solve crime sometimes. It takes the public to solve these these mysteries. And so I believe they will get back with us. I mean when we first our initial our initial attempt with them and like I said, we have we have people in law enforcement that are in our private groups that are helping us still. Um, not as active because of everything like you said going on right now. But you know, we can reach out to them, and they kind of give us an inkling into what's going on with each department. I have not really heard anything bad with the Hannibal Police Department. I know it's a smaller department, so I, I think they will get back to us. I'm 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 very hopeful. I, I think that they want to solve any mm-hmm. case that that that's cold. It's just a matter of priorities and and the daily routine. So that's the only thing that I would add. Um, we support you know Rawls County as well. I mean, you know these these it's the same thing. These people are at one point or another, Chris, if we if when we start doing you know our research for documentary work and bringing people out there with ground penetrating radar, they're all gonna have to be involved. Mm-hmm. 
you know, before we can do anything. So we need the police on our side. And, and so, yeah, I mean, our, our group chats are private, but remember, like people are watching us, people that are on there might be law enforcement. So we, we need their help more than anything. So I don't have any bad things to say. I know that they work hard and probably some of them listen to the podcast. Probably you never so. know. Probably so. So, so. Uh, but yeah, so I just want to give you an update. Uh, Ray Ferrier is still very much on our mind. And if not for the facts of, say, he, they weren't abducted, they're in a cave, it's still very, very odd. The <laughs> the, the letters are very odd. Um, uh, so... I like I like the locksmith comment, by the way. Was it the horseshoe? Oh, yeah. Comment? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember the specifics, <laughs> but I remember what you're talking about. Um, and I do want to point out, I did send the letters uh, to Dr. Haloida. Um, and I will go ahead and I hope I'm not out of context by doing this. I'm just going to give you a, a little, little, little excerpt of what he said. He says, as far as the letters go, I agree that they sounded like the ramblings of a thought disordered individual. The writer perhaps became obsessed with the disappearance and wished to get involved. I don't see evidence of a confession in the letters, however. And if the person was involved and wanted to be caught, you'd think they had sent more letters or gone to the police. So that was what, uh, um, Dr. Haloida was thinking of the of those letters. So, which opened my mind up to think, well, what if the police did receive letters? What if the other family did receive letters? Mm -hmm. What if newspapers received letters? They didn't just they just didn't yeah. print them. Yeah, we don't know. You know, we don't know. But if so, you know and you're listening again, and you do know, contact us. And, <laughs> and you know Ray Ferrier. Yeah. Who is the, the horseshoe yeah. smith? Uh, so anyway, so that's a, that's our Ray Ferrier <laughs> update. And then finally, the last thing I have on my list, Frankie, um, back in last season, I think a couple other times I've mentioned this, uh, I submitted freedom of information requests to the Missouri State Patrol and to the FBI and asked about any information pertaining to the three boys listed by name and address and location last seen and all that stuff. Um and unfortunately, both of my responses, I did finally get responses back from both of them. It was really funny because um, the um, the the one from the Missouri State Patrol was just an email, and that's fine. Um, no biggie. Uh, it just says, nope, we didn't find anything. Um, but the one, I did get an email from the FBI first that said like uh, that they didn't find anything either. But then I got a thing in the mail, and it said the Department of Interior, and I went, oh, what the heck? I never get anything from the federal government. What the heck is this? And they actually sent me the letter, the paperwork, <laughs> of the, the sorry, we didn't find anything. So I got that in the mail. So uh, unfortunately, nothing in those two departments. Uh, the one thing we are still working on, and again, um, our, our, our core team of researchers have been uh, been pretty busy lately so uh, I haven't bugged them too much about this but we do want to get a new freedom of information request into the Hannibal Police Department to kind of recap on the boys again to see if there is anything else that's missing still find it very very hard to believe that they don't have some sort of file on him especially with Detective Webster being as involved as he was at the time um, I'm really surprised there wasn't reports filed. But again, it was 1967. Um, here in Louisiana, Missouri, I know that that my police department has told me we don't keep records from back then. So I find it, I, I could see if it's possible that they don't have those records still. Um, but we're going to give it one more shot, uh, do it uh, with some help of another law enforcement official that knows how to do FOIAs a little bit better than I do. So we're going to submit another one to see if we get any hits on that. So that is on the to-do list yeah. still. That is great. And as we uh, close our show, Chris, uh, we look we look to the future. We look to ahead. The case went cold, but it doesn't mean that we're not warming up. We're going to discuss the mayor, local suspects, and one thing that a lot of people have asked about, and something that we touched on a little bit today. But look forward to us digging a little deeper into Tobin on the next episode of The Lost Boys of Hannibal. I'm your host, Frankie Cambaletta. I'm Chris Ketters. We'll be seeing you. I'm still running against the wind. I'm still running against the wind. Against the wind. I'm still running against the wind. Against the wind. Against the wind. Against the wind. Against the wind.